Hello, thanks for tuning into the Stone Podcast, where we have authentic discussions about life with the purpose of creating better communities for our young men. Okay, thanks everyone for tuning in today. We're here with Patrick Davidson. He's an electrical engineer, and we will be speaking about how he came into this career, what it took to get there, and if this is a viable path for someone who might be considering such a career path. Thanks for being here today, Patrick. Yeah, thanks for having me. Basically, today we're here to speak with Patrick. He's an electrical engineer, and we just want to speak about how it is that you came to become an electrical engineer, what made you follow this path, basically a synopsis of how you came to be in the career that you're in. So maybe one day it could possibly help someone else that would like to do this or is trying to figure out what is it that they want to do. So how did you get here? Yeah, it's been a, a long road. I think that part of that, uh, it's really started out uh, me being very interested in, you know, STEM and, uh, you know, being able to excel in, in, in mathematics at an early age. I think that kind of steered me into the direction of uh, becoming an engineer. Um, and then, you know, along the way there were, there were folks that uh, mentored me uh, and helped kind of steer that career path because the area I grew up in, there wasn't a lot of, uh, you know, good role models and there weren't a lot of people doing engineering so um, at a young age I didn't even know engineering was a field that you could uh, go to college and, and make a career out of so um, you know is 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 many baby steps along the way starting out in, in middle school and having a math teacher that showed some interest in me and then you know, and then in high school, kind of learning more about uh, what careers and, and just even having the conversation about going to college. Uh, and then once I uh, entered college, you know, then taking the general courses and finding out, you know, what courses really were interesting to me. And, and I always, you know, uh, steered toward the more technical classes, you know, in mathematics, uh, and then physics, and, and, uh, and then, you know, moving on to when I got to my major coursework in my, uh, you know, junior and senior years of college, I started taking those more technical, you know, electrical engineering courses. And then also working, I worked my way through, through college, and so one of the jobs that I had while I was in college um, was I worked at Motorola, and uh, I was working doing some finance work, you know, as a, you know, as, as, as temp work, and, uh, or, or, or part-time work, I should say, and, you know, when I worked there, I, I got a taste of what it was to be an engineer. Just, you know, even though I was working in the finance area, there were a lot of engineers at the workplace and talking Motorola? to them. Motorola? Uh huh. Wow. Yeah, the, the phone company, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I remember Motorola. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, they, and they were made satellites too. They had the Iridium satellites yeah. uh, that they were doing for, for networking and telephone communication so yeah getting to know some of the engineers there at the workplace and talking to them about what they do and uh, you know I just kind of became intriguing that, that type of work and so um, you know but narrowing it down you know there's a lot of engineering fields you know you've got civil mechanical um, mm -hmm. nuclear um, and so uh, I always you know it w enjoyed um, you know with electronics and and at the time when I took uh, my electrical engineering courses, they were always, uh, you know, EEC, so electrical engineering. 
Yeah, electrolyte. No, 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 it's fine. Yeah. It's, no, it's a good question because I, when I when I first uh, started, I didn't well, like. What's the CE? I know what the EE is. What's the CE? So it was electrical engineering, computer engineering. So they were kind of wrapped up into one degree program. So you would take some programming courses along with your electrical engineering degree, which you know that was the great thing about an electrical engineering degree is it's a very broad engineering uh, background. You take some civil engineering classes, some some mechanical engineering classes. Um, material science, you know, and obviously physics and and and, and the, the math, the higher level math courses. But uh, so you get a big, a, a, quite a breadth of of, of the engineering, uh, uh, you know, disciplines. So that was always intriguing to me. But um, I really started to gravitate toward kind of uh, image processing, um, mm -hmm. and that's you know, t you know, taking in data from from uh, video uh, and and uh, you know uh, digital sources, and then you know processing that information to get uh, you know to get additional information out of it uh, to help you, whether it be machine learning or, or you know if you're doing it to kind of pull extract information out. And so that was the area that I concentrated in. Then when I went and got my master's, I did my thesis on on some of that work that I was doing. So when I finished my bachelor's, I went and worked for uh, Sandia National Laboratories there in, in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And, and while I worked on my master's degree and did some of my research there at the National Laboratories to, to work toward my, my, uh, my thesis, so. Okay, so how, how many years of school? Well, let's back up a little bit. Sure. Right? Lots of information. All right, that, that was a lot, that was a lot, right? So. <laughs> I want to know what made it so that, what was the spark, mm -hmm. right? Because obviously you have to have some kind of um, knowledge of math, it seems, mm -hmm. in order to go in such a career. You have to have some form of aptitude for it. Mm -hmm. So you said that the teacher is the one who discovered that. Yeah, so in my, uh, my seventh grade year of, uh, or I'm sorry, my eighth grade year of middle school, um, we took the uh, state math exam and I got uh, one of the highest grades, I think the second highest grade in the, in the state. And so... What state was this? This is New Mexico, yeah. Okay. And so um, from that, um, I, my math teacher, uh, she was, uh, you know, she was intrigued by that because, you know, I grew up in a, a relatively poor area. And um, we, you know, it was, it was, um, we didn't have a lot of resources. So, you know, we didn't, uh, in, in the school I went to in particular was, was not rated very high, but this particular teacher was there teaching who, who uh, she, she showed a lot of interest in the students there and, and tried to take care of them. And so once I did well in that exam, she then asked me if I was interested in uh, going and applying for one of the private schools there in town. Um, and so I, you know, based on her recommendation and, and the grades I was getting in, in math, she, I went and took the test and, and was admitted to this private school, which uh, was a very expensive private school, was well beyond anything, you know, my family could afford. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, but it was need blind. So if you got in, they'd pay for everything. So uh, that's, that kind of started, that was kind of one of the pivotal moments, you know, and, and once again, the, the math was just always something that came easy to me. I didn't, um, 
I can't. I, I wish I could tell you like, oh, there was just I went and read this book, and I was, yeah. you know, all of a sudden I became really good at math. It was <laughs> nothing like that. <laughs> yeah. It's just uh, fundamentally, I think you just you know innate. You know, I was, was fortunate to ha that I had that uh, natural aptitude for math, and then from there, that kind of you know, once I went to the private school, I think that helped you know quite a bit. Um, once again, it was very fortunate and. Luck has a lot to do with it, right? And, and then opportunity, you know, and, and recognizing opportunity and taking advantage of opportunity. And so it's a good thing that teacher saw that in you because if she didn't see that, chances are maybe it's probably right. a whole different because the education would have been very different because you probably wouldn't have went to that private school. Correct, yeah. And I maybe not even gone to college because at that point I wasn't even thinking about going to college, right? So mm -hmm. Uh, maybe who knows? Uh, maybe another opportunity would have would have presented itself, but it's hard to say. But that was definitely one that uh, I think changed the trajectory of my life for sure. Wow! Thank the Lord for that. Yeah. So, as far as um, when you got to the school, did you get a mentor, or was there anything like that that helped guide you to wait, or what made you say, you know, what electrical engineer is something that I would like to consider? Yeah, so I think that, um, you know, that is one of the nice things about, you know, some of these schools that, uh, you know, the private schools, they have resources and so you have um, advisors, but they have, they have high school advisors at all schools, right? And so, and I would highly recommend any young person to go spend some time with their high school advisor. Those people are there to uh, help give you some guidance and some direction um, and, you know, make use of that time. Don't go because you're forced to and spend the 30 minutes a semester, whatever you have to do to go to your guidance counselor, you know, make some time. I think that they also appreciate that, you know, when folks, when, when students show interest, uh, you know, they want to help those students. But yeah, they're a great resource to help mentor you, guide you. And then from there, you, uh, you know, I think that did help, you know, open up some of those doors and, and the possibilities of what, what I could do with, you know, if you have a gift in something or you have an interest in something, that ha having that, um, you know, having that guidance to say, hey, how can you best utilize these tools that you have mm. uh, to be successful? And those are the mentors. They're, they're available. They're readily available to anybody, not just, you know, at specific schools. So, yes, but absolutely having a mentor is key. Having a champion in life is always key, whether it be personal, your personal life, whether it be in your education and your job, having a champion. No one, no one can do it on their own. Mm -hmm. Everybody has help and you shouldn't deny that help. Don't try to do it on your own. It's, it's very hard, if not impossible. <laughs> How should a person determine what kind of college to go to? I, I know um, engineer is something that you definitely need to go to college for. Mm -hmm. some, some careers I wouldn't necessarily advise, especially with YouTube and stuff, but mm. this particular thing, does it matter in the long run? Sure, yeah, that's a great question. So I would say that, um, you know, where you go to college really you shouldn't put yourself in a crippling amount of debt to go to college. That doesn't make any sense. So trying to go to some very uh, elite college and then taking out so much student loan debt that you'll never be able to pay it back or you'll, it'll, it'll hamper your standard of living. I've never, because I went to, so I went to the university, well first year I went to Morehouse College and that's what I was doing, right? I was, I was taking on a significant amount of debt. Um, How much was it to go to Morehouse, do you remember? Uh, yeah, I think maybe forty thousand dollars a year, thirty, forty thousand dollars a year, and that was a you know this was back in the nineties, right? And, they, and that was a significant amount of money, and I was just bankrolling it with 
student loans. I had no, you know, there was no scholarship or anything like that. And I just, re I started to realize that I couldn't afford it. You know, as much as I wanted to go to school there and stay there, I had, a, you know, I was having a great time in Atlanta, you know, it's a, and it's a great school, it's very prestigious, but it was just too expensive. So then I went back to the University of New Mexico uh, because I could get in-state tuition. And so that was like $5,000. From yeah. 40, yes, right. Yeah, so a significant di difference, right? And so, um, and what I would say is, yeah, you, you, you know, some people are like, oh, well, you got to go to a certain school or you're not going to find a job. Not true. And, and, and I've had a very successful career. I mean, and I, I, make, I make as much as other people who I work with side, side by side, who, you know, folks that went to MIT or you know you you name the university i've got people around me that are brilliant people don't get me wrong they're all brilliant um but uh it doesn't make a difference it hasn't hampered my career because i went to university of mexico and other folks went to some ivy league college so okay. going to college though is the key right if anything it's checks a box you know that you you completed something right because when going to college is to teach you how to learn it doesn't teach you necessarily all the information because you're always learning throughout life and so you're never going to have all the information, but it teaches you how to learn, how to find information. And that's what, you know, most employers want to see is that did you go through, did you follow through, did you make the commitment, and then did you finish it? The importance of gaining connections and social mm -hmm. settings with people when you go to school, because I'm sure sometimes some of those people come back to help you or you and have ability to help those people whenever they meet up with you again. Mm -hmm. Sure. So college is a great place to make connections, meet people, um, but you can do that anywhere, right? And now that we're so interconnected with social media and, um, you know, conferences that you can go out and meet people. I think that the key is being able to um, make an impression on somebody in those opportunities you have and those connections that you can make. So being someone who, who can feel very comfortable in their own skin and when meeting people and, and, and having people feel confident that you know you are confident and I would say that's the most important thing be confident in what you do and uh, always show that you can you, you can excel and that uh, be your best so where you went to college isn't as important as when you get into the workforce is being very confident people look at to you as somebody who, who knows what they're doing um, who, who always performs, excels, Th that, those are the important skill sets to have. What would you say are the pros and cons of being an engineer? Mm. Uh, I would say the pros of being an engineer is that you, you, always, make a, you always have a job. Uh, you always make decent money. Um, will you get rich? I mean, some people get rich from, because they invent something or they start a company. They, they have an entrepreneurial spirit, but most engineers don't. They're pretty safe. Mm -hmm. they, don't, uh, they don't take a lot of risks. Um, you know, so, uh, but it'll be a great scenario. But if, you want, if you're looking to be rich, you're not, you don't go into engineering thinking you're gonna be the next Bill Gates or Steve Jobs, because that's, that's just not typical engineering. But you will, you will never want for a, a employment. You'll, you'll, you'll be able to afford a house. You'll, you'll have a nice uh, standard of living. So, and you'll always have job security. Where do you see the electrical engineer field going in the future? Mm, you know, we're moving to, uh, there's a lot of, you know, digital engineering that's occurring now. So things are moving more into the virtual space. 
So um, we're, we're in the past, if you were a, an engineer, or in the past as an engineer, you had a lot of hands-on. Um, so you were, in, you were either in the lab or you were, you know, you know, you were, you were building something. You would, you would go, you would design it, and then you would actually go put it together. And now, there most of what the work that's being done is being done kind of in the virtual space and, and, and making sure that you, you test it all out virtually before you actually go and, and cut metal. So um, I would say the future is that there's going to be a lot more um, cross-pollinization between computer engineering and you know the other disciplines, whether it be mechanical, electrical, optical. And uh, so you're going to be designing a lot of these things and, and, and kind of running it through the, the models and, and uh, through uh, some of the tools that then, you know, will give you kind of um, the trade space so you can optimize before you actually start to build. And so being, being savvy with the tools and understanding the digital engineering tools for the field that you go into, that's key for the future. So what would you say a typical day for you is like? So now I'm a program manager so I do not, um, I'm not doing a lot of the hands-on engineering uh, like I used to. Mm -hmm. um, so typical day for me is a lot of meetings <laughs> um, and just kind of structuring the work and, and getting the team uh, the tools they need so they can go be successful and then communicating with the customer, understanding the expectations, interpreting what they have in their statement of work. Uh, to make sure we're executing to it, making sure we stay within budget, uh, that we're you know meeting the timelines, milestones, um, and then uh, you know uh, the I think the the key to most of it though too is also dealing with all the different personalities, right? So you've got a lot of people who either um, for whatever reason there some people are easier to work with, some people are harder. You got to bring these teams together to be successful because if you have a team that uh, there's a bunch of discontent within the team, they're not going to execute at their, their best. So day to day, I'm, I'm just managing either personalities and relationships. Um, as an engineer, I, when day to day, I would be more me either in the lab, you know, um, testing out, uh, you know, hardware, uh, working through troubleshooting, finding, you know, uh, you know, problems and then trying to solve them. And that's the area I really enjoy, right? I, I enjoy just when you're just putting everything together and it's always working, that's not really fun, right? It's when you run into the problems. That's when you learn the most and that's when, you know, you really get to, to think outside the box and, and find solutions. I love to find solutions to problems. So what is the most interesting project, um, mm. if you can share? Sure that you've been involved with that. So when I first got out of school and I was working at Sandia National Labs and I, it was very early on in um, unmanned vehicles and so we were doing a lot of autonomous vehicle um, design and, and, and builds and I think that was the time in my career that I had a lot of fun because it was just very cutting edge work and uh, it was, it was it, you know, you were doing things that uh, not a lot of people were doing, you know, anywhere, you know. And the, work, the work I do now is also, you know, sort of cutting edge, but you, you don't, you know, there's not much of it that, uh, you know, we, you discuss outside of work, so you have fun, but you, you don't get to say much, so it's... So do you think that autonom autonomous vehicle will be the future? I think they are. I mean, we are seeing a lot of it now. You know, Tesla's you know in the forefront of that for making it commercially available to to the average citizen. 
Um, and then you've got some of these other uh, Waymo. There, there's, a, there's several other companies that are, are trying to get involved in that. You know, even now when you fly in a plane, you, the plane, when you're in flight, is flying itself. The pilot's not there with his hands on the yoke the entire time, right? Um, there are, you know, there's military application where they have, you know, um, autonomous aerial vehicles that are, are flying themselves. You know, and the planes now can, can take off and land on their own. They don't need a, a you know, man in the loop. Uh, it's all uh, done fly by wire, you know, just so, nope, it's, uh, it is the future. There's, n there's no stopping it. We're, we're already there. So um, it'll, you'll just see more and more of it. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. How has the industry changed, mm. right? Mm -hmm. Since, was how many years have you been with us now? Uh, over 20 years. Yeah. Over 20 years. How has it changed compared to now? I think a lot of the digital engineering has changed and things are moving much more quickly than they used to. So, um, you know, you can go and you can go run a simulation in the computer and, and run, you know, millions of iterations, whereas before uh, you would try something, you troubleshoot it, you'd, you'd go back, it didn't work, you'd go and you'd go make a change and come back. And so it's it very um, uh, serial. And so you, you, you could only do so many things to optimize the system and then you just had to, you know, just based on the amount of time you had, you would say, okay, this is good enough and you'd move on. Not anymore. I mean, now you can go and run a simulation over the weekend and, you know, like I said, do millions of, of, of different iterations of it and, and you can find the optimal solution. And so things are just getting better faster and the, and the technology is changing exponentially. So, you know, and you, I just think about when I was a kid and, uh, you know, how much technology change I saw from the time I was little to, you know, when I was when I was an adult, and uh, music, for instance, right, when I was a kid, we had records and we had like eight tracks and that was a cassettes, right? And then, you know, I got to high school and then, you know, CDs started to become, you know, popular and then they moved on to MP3s. Now, you know, it just, everything is digital, right? And you have it at the, you know, you used to have to wait for the album to come out if you yeah. wanted to listen to it and, and, and you were waiting and you, were, you know, hit the store and then you go try to buy it and there were not enough so you couldn't get it and so you had to, then you go listen for it on the radio and you try to record it because it's playing on the radio, you know, in your cassette. Not now and you want to listen to it, you just download it. Like you can, every song, any song you want to hear at any given moment where you used to have to wait and maybe it's going to play on the radio. Maybe. We had everything at, 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 our, at, at at our whim, you know, it's it's really interesting, right? We don't have to wait for anything, and then that has benefits and drawbacks. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you so get. Sometimes I wonder if if we can get any, how much further ahead can we possibly get with the technology that we have now? Sometimes mm -hmm. I wonder about that. Are we at the peak of that, or is much more to go? Right. No, there's. It'll keep. It'll. We'll keep. We can't wrap our heads around what the limits are because the limit just keeps changing, mm -hmm. you know, and, and I think that, uh, and also we don't, you know, we're very poor um, at uh, futurists, you know, these folks, these people who, who predict where technology is going to go and what's going to be in the future, they're very poor at it. If, if you go look, you know, some people get some things right, but mm -hmm. typically it's just not, you don't have the things, and no one was predicting the impact that things like social media would have had, you know, 20, 30 years ago, because people didn't think anyone would care about what is somebody doing on their, some, some <laughs> TikTok or whatever, you know, like those are, those, and, I, and who knows what that next thing will be and, and what will drive technology, but we, we have definitely just scratched the surface. There's so much more that we can do and explore.
and uh, we'll continue to evolve. If somebody is trying to get into electrical engineering, what are some of the key qualities that you think that they should possess or um, hone in on? You have to love science and math. I mean, that's just a that is just a requirement. So if you're if you don't love it, you you probably won't won't enjoy it because there's just a lot of it. Um, troubleshooting, you got to be curious, and you have to have a curious mind. If you have that, you, you know you'll be you'll be well served as well. You know, just being being willing to try new things and challenge yourself and and be inquisitive, always be inquisitive. Um, that is a key trait to to being an engineer. Um, so. I think those are kind of the core, you know, um, characteristics you have to have if you want to be, uh, if you want to go into engineering. Say a kid like me, right? For example, when I was smaller, I used to take old um, lights, flashlights, and put them together, mm -hmm. put them on my bike, mm -hmm. because we're in Jamaica, so it wasn't a lot of light, light up. But I was horrible at math, mm -hmm. very bad. Mm -hmm. Is there any space? for someone like that who's good with their hands figuring things out, but the, um, the practical things mm -hmm. on paper, not very good. So I'd say that absolutely, if you wanted to be, and so, and, and, and this is the thing, I think people, they conflate um, the ability to make good money with titles. So we have technicians at our job that make six-figure salaries that are amazing and we would not be able to you know do what we do and create the technology we create without them and and they actually get to do the most fun stuff because they get to be in the lab all the time putting so i would say that if school is not for you or you're not great at the math but you love doing the hands-on things and you love you know being around the engineering you actually get to do the engineering and you can be a te you can be a technologist um and uh and, and, and get to do all those things without having to go through all the hassle of, <laughs> you know, calculus, calc three, you know, partial differential equations and matrix math, you know, yeah. that stuff that uh, may bore some people to death, yeah. So there's technical schools to be a technologist? There are, there's trade schools basically uh, that you go and you just do a lot of, you learn to do things like soldering and you know, there's a lot of hands-on, but it's it's vocational. It's not, uh, you know, you're not, and there there's some some things, some basic stuff that you would you need to learn, but nonetheless, yeah, you can definitely do that and, and, and uh, at a pretty short period of time with very little debt, you know, go in and uh, have a pretty lucrative career. Mm. I wish I knew that when I was younger. Yeah. I was. I, I just wrote a lot of things off because I wasn't good at math. Right. Yeah. No. No. No requirement. Yeah. Um, if you had to redo it again, what else would you have done, as far as? Oh, good question. You know, one of the things I like to argue, so I would think I would have been a pretty good lawyer, <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't like to write all the papers, so okay. it wasn't not the. To your point, my, my strength was not uh, all of the <laughs> language arts and, and yeah. writing. Although funny, I say that because now I find myself writing a lot, right? I, I, I've, uh, I've, out of necessity, I've become very much better at writing. Uh, but uh, 
when I was younger, I hated it. I hated it when I was in school. I'd just go do my paper. And some people, it was always amazing to me how quickly they could write like a five page paper, just spit it out like in a couple hours. Like, oh, I'm done. I'm like, oh, this is going to take me a long time because <laughs> <laughs> I painstakingly each word I'm, you know, fighting over. But yeah, law, I think, would have been interesting uh, just from a, a, several of the different aspects of, um, you know, I, I do believe in kind of fundamental morals and, and justice and, and trying to understand what equity looks like and creating equity uh, within the legal system. So I think that would have been fascinating. Psychology also uh, was was very intriguing to me, but uh, not a lot of money in that. Uh, that's mm -hmm. a tough field to go into. You have to do it for the love. I, I needed money. <laughs> I, I didn't grow up with money, so. <laughs> I did the same thing um, when I started school. But I didn't ever want to go to college, really. Mm -hmm. But I went to technical school, computer, computer career center, to mm -hmm. learn to be a um, network administrator. Mm -hmm. Did that for a while. Did not like it at all. Mm -hmm. right? Because I was working with this guy from a company, and he was a very, very smart guy. Very smart. And when, sometimes when you're around very smart people, and you are not to their aptitude, mm -hmm. I think... It's a conflict mm -hmm. many times. And I saw that. As young as I was, I was probably 19 years old. And I saw it was going to be a problem because he was, oh, you don't know how to figure it. The technical stuff I had, but the stuff that he was doing, the computer programming and stuff like that, mm -hmm. I wasn't very good at it. And then I went to become a, um, what do you call it, a physical therapist. Oh. Right? Uh -huh. And then that was too hard. Mm -hmm. It was math again. Mm -hmm. right? And then... I downgraded to occupational therapy, mm -hmm. and that was way really too much writing. Mm -hmm. And then I went to psychology, and then that was enough money. Mm -hmm. And then I just got a job. Yep, it worked out pretty good for me. Yes, in my my situation. And I, and I say that college is not the end all. And there's a lot of people who have been have very successful careers and didn't either didn't go to college or dropped out of college. And so, you know, the only thing that college provides you, I would say, the main thing, I shouldn't say the only thing, the main thing that college provides you is options. And that you, um, if you, 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 can, you can have some, some latitude in what you do and you can, you can, if you don't like your job, you might have, you can go somewhere else and do some other thing that gives you those options. Whereas, you know, sometimes, you can be very successful and, and, and not having gone to college, but you might be locked into that thing, you know, yeah. so. I think um, something to consider is, like you said, the options. Being an electrical engineer, you're in demand, mm -hmm. right? Not just in um, Colorado, right. but all over the world, right? right? So right. if you want to go and live in Aruba or something, you right. can just technically move and go to Aruba and it's not like my career where you say, oh, you know, you're not going to get paid doing what you're doing here in Aruba or wherever it is you want to go to. Mm -hmm. The options are there. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I didn't um, think about when I was younger. If I did think about it that way, mm -hmm. maybe I would have finished something. Yep. Maybe not psychology, right. but I would have finished something. I would have right. been more focused on finishing just to have the options at the end. Yep. But I wasn't thinking about it. I wasn't thinking that far, bro. Yeah. It's hard. Like I say, thank you for mm -hmm. showing up and giving us the, um, these gems, so to speak, <laughs> the information. Uh, hopefully, it's something that 
you know, will be beneficial to someone someday. Yeah, I hope so. So I appreciate you being here. Yeah, thank you. Thanks. Enjoy. Yeah, like, subscribe. Hold that <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Stone Podcast. To watch the entire podcast on YouTube, please feel free to click on the link in the show notes below.